Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Thursday, September 30th edition of the Basement Academy. Yes, September 30th, the last day of the month. Seems like just yesterday we were uh, celebrating Labor Day, but the month has gone quickly, and so here we are. Uh, Thanks for hanging in all month, (laughs) going from critical race theory now to some things I'm thinking about and appreciate uh, good feedback I get from folks on uh, email and some texts from periodically. And and so let's wrap up the month with another psalm uh, and another uh, reflection. And hopefully let's grow and become more faithful disciples of Jesus. Psalm 120. It is one of the pilgrim psalms as they were journeying up to Jerusalem for worship. I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. Save me, O Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you, and what more besides, O deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar, Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am a man of peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And so this is the worshiper who lives outside Jerusalem where there are others, Meshach and Kedar, living among those who do not share um, the faith, who do not embrace Yahweh who, when you speak for peace and seek to be a person of peace, they want none of it. And so, uh, again, this is one of those psalms that um, uses some language and some images, the broom tree and the warrior's arrows. So it seems so strange to us, but if we make it part of our praying repertoire by praying five psalms a day for the course of the month, this becomes familiar language and then you realize, oh, this is speaking of us. As a Christian, I'm a man of peace. We are people of peace. We're here to, to, to bring about the salvation of the world. We want the healing and mending of the nations. And we want to see uh, justice, injustices remedied and poverty alleviated. And so we're there to love our neighbor as ourselves. But, but when we speak into this, I mean, there's, there are some realities, some foundational realities about coming to understand Jesus as the Christ who means us no harm, who, who means us only well. But if you share that, again, because of sin and because of the reality of sin, people get offended. How dare you tell me? You know, and, and that's what sinners do. Convinced of their own rightness, that's what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represents. Taking to oneself the, the right to determine good and evil for myself. How dare you tell me I need to follow what you believe? And so we Christians find ourselves at times at odds with our culture and our world. And I, and I say that kind of an echo. Of course we find ourselves at odds with the world. Okay, some more things I'm thinking about. <clears throat> Since when did big business and corporate America become aligned with the left and the Democrats and the progressive agenda? Now, I'm not trying to be political here, Okay. I'm, I'm trying to make an observation of culture, but it is 
kind of well known that the Republican Party for a really long time has been the party of big business, right? Giving corporate tax breaks, seeking to generate wealth, that the kind of the Republican understanding of the way to to, to remedy our world is to expand the economy. And we do that by supporting business. And so from small businesses to corporate America. And so it has been thought for a really long time that the Republican Party uh, or big business is kind of lined up with uh, the, the Republican Party and corporate America really, you know, leans uh, to the right, as it were, you know, in, in the red, red direction not anymore. <laughs> and so in some strange inversion, we now think of corporate America and big business. And just think what, what happened recently this summer with uh, Delta Airlines, Coca-Cola, and I forget who else it was, came against Major League Baseball. You've got to move that game out of Atlanta into Colorado because it's more friendly to progressive ideals. <clears throat> and the concern was the Georgia State Legislature that had passed voting rights. I haven't read it all, but I've read some of it. It's really about election security and trying to increase, but it's perceived to be some kind of um, uh, far-right um, conspiracy to keep people of color, black people in particular, from voting and that's what the Georgia State Legislature, so corporate America then, you know, these, these big businesses, corp, corporations, and Coca-Cola's headquartered in Atlanta, Delta's headquartered in Atlanta. And so they brought pressure and got Major League Baseball. If you don't bring it out, we're going to bring pressure against Major League Baseball. And so they flex up the couple of these businesses and pressure Major League Baseball to move the... Um, uh, all-star game out of Atlanta to uh, Denver. That's just one example. So <clears throat> what happened? And now the Republican Party seems to be the party of the little guy, right? It's the populist party. No, 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 no. Those are the Democrats. The Democrats are the populist party. They're for the little guy because Republicans are all for big corporate America and all that dark money that's trying, corporate money that's trying to influence elections. Well, you don't think corporate money's trying to also influence elections that other direction? <laughs> okay. So I'm not, I'm not arguing for, I guess I'm just observing this. What happened in two years, four years, six years, tops, right? And so this diversity, equity, inclusion agenda has all been embraced by corporate America. Um, <clears throat> this this uh, kind of gender identity and, uh, and uh, all the rights of, of, of becoming an inclusive uh, community, an inclusive uh, workplace, uh, and so all of this stuff, critical race theory, so, so uh, racial diversity, gender diversity, not diversity of thought, mind you, okay? Not ideological diversity, because if you don't toe the line, well, then you, you don't belong here. And there are examples uh, of people who get fired from their jobs for really just kind of making posts about sometimes even scientific um, issues with regard to 
well, I want to get into it, you know, women engineers, why is it that Silicon Valley seems to imply more um, males than females in the kind of the engineering? And there's some research around that. And this one, I think it was a Google um, kind of mid-level guy, uh, Daigle or something like that was his last name. And he just posts the research and pff, he gets fired as if he was saying women can't be engineers or women aren't smart. No, 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 it's not that at all. <laughs> He's just citing. Yeah. So anyway, when did it happen? That corporate America, big business went left. It went woke. Um, I think I've made some reference to this, um, to this book. Woke Incorporated by Vivek or Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, he is second generation Indian from India. Okay. He, his uh, parents came over. Uh, they settled in some of them in Ohio, some of them in Indiana. And he jokes that the reason Indiana, because his grandmother said that was the one state that had India in the word, <laughs> in the, in the, in the name of the state. And so just settled in the Midwest and he's a capitalist. He is not a Christian, but he basically in this book speaks to this thing, how corporate America, it's subtitled inside corporate America's social justice scam. And he says, it's a scam. What's going on? He said, it's clear that it's happened, that, that corporate America, big business has gone woke. It has gone all in for the kind of left progressive, uh, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion agenda. But he says, why? And he says, basically, it's profitable. It is a way of deflecting what they're really doing <laughs> Uh, because often there's multinational corporations, they've got, you know, factories and other things overseas where the working conditions are notably horrible. And uh, he cites some sad situations of women getting raped. And when the investigation starts to happen or that, all of a sudden the company uh, launches and announces a diversity, equity, inclusion um, initiative. And all of a sudden, who cares about women getting raped over in Africa? Look at all the social justice good that these folks are doing. And so it is a diversionary tactic, essentially is what he says, so that they can continue to uh, pursue their own uh, profitable uh, pursuits, which profit in and of itself is, is, there's nothing wrong about that, I would argue at least. Um, the thing that he expresses that really caught my attention is how this kind of the muscle, the, the financial muscle of corporate America is so significant. They can bring, it, it's coupling with, you know, they announce we're going to bring pressure. We're going to boycott Major League Baseball and its ballparks. and We're no longer going to do business with you and, you know, all that stuff. So they bring kind of market pressures to like Major League Baseball, for instance. <clears throat> it bypasses all democratic processes. So you have a, a, a legitimate, le legitimately seated legislature who can be held accountable. They, they can be voted out, right? And that the laws that they pass are up for constitutional review. You have a, a legitimately uh, elected and accountable assembly who makes laws 
And as a result of those laws, you have all this other stuff that, that corporate America flexes its, its financial muscle and it's, it pressures people towards actions and towards behavior that is not legitimately elected, okay? And so it's like his concern is it's, super, it's kind of super, uh, what's the word, superseding or circumventing the, the liberal democratic processes of our um, republic here. Where people who are not elected, who are not held accountable to, uh, there's, there's not the consent of the governed as it were. <clears throat> and so all of a sudden, you know, pressure is brought and the NCAA was going to hold some kind of um, um, tournament in North Carolina, but because North Carolina legitimately passed certain laws to protect children in bathrooms, lest a, a male who transitions to a female might walk into a bathroom and perhaps present a risk to young girls. And that bathroom bill gets the NCAA putting pressure on North Carolina. We're not going to have tournaments there until you change that, uh, that law. <clears throat> and so he talks, so in this book, he talks about this process. <clears throat> so um, it's a little wonky in places. He's going into... Um, kind of some business theory and, and whatnot. I, I, I listened to the book actually, quite fascinating. Um, I need to listen to it again, uh, frankly, to fully understand there were some nuances. Um, he talked, I'd never heard this phrase before, ESG investing, environmental, um, social, and governance. So ESG investing, I, kind of, you know, green companies. You know, we're not going to do business with companies that pollute and things like that. <clears throat> and he says those companies normally should expect a lower rate of return because they're, you know, they're accepting a lower rate of return because of some of their policies. But there, there's kind of this, this, um, this is where I kind of got lost, some kind of inverting of certain investment practices that he kind of likened to the housing market bubble that burst you know, back in what, 2008, 9, 10, something like that. Um, the, the mortgage, uh, the kind of the junk mortgages and, and, and uh, mortgage-backed securities. And so he says there's a similar shell game getting played with ESG investing so that they should return lower, but now they're returning higher rates. And so it's an it, fascinating. <clears throat> what struck me about it was <clears throat> that the market <clears throat> is coming to exert significant influence. And I've, I've begun to wonder, <clears throat> in, in line with Jesus' warnings uh, about serving two masters, you cannot serve God and money or mammon. And you could take the market to some degree as the stand-in for money and mammon. Because at the end of the day, what the, the market, be it the stock market uh, or you know broadly financial transactions, but the market... I think is a fair stand-in. So Jesus says, it's not God or the devil, it's God or the market, God or money. And so <clears throat> I was thinking about the market as a, maybe it is the rival of the church, of the kingdom of God. The market, so, so you know, in Christ, there's no Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. In Christ, the, the playing field is level. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. <clears throat> and so, and so we, we celebrate that, right? That the church transcends borders. It transcends a tribe and people, language and race. 
Well, you could argue so does the market. You know, if you wanted to go online and purchase something from Amazon, it's not going to, you know, ask your skin color. It's not going to ask your gender. It's not going to ask your income level. It just says, hey, you want this delivered to your doorstep? Hey, you pay the money, we'll deliver it. No questions asked, right? And so the market is this entity that doesn't care about race, color, creed, right? You can kind of believe anything, except it is forming its own ideology, its own belief system. If you're going to participate in the market, if you're going to do business with us, then you have to believe these things. And so uh, Ramaswamy, he, he talks about um, kind of wokeness as a religion. Uh, and, and he actually goes through a pretty extended <clears throat> uh, two chapters on it. So there's an ideology that's at work here. That if you do not subscribe to these tenets, to these propositions, to these beliefs, to these values, you will be excommunicated. You can't do business. So he was the CEO of his own company and his employees kind of rose up against him because he didn't make a certain kind of statement uh, in the aftermath of uh, George Floyd's death. Because that's not the purpose of a corporation is to make public statements about these things. That's the purpose of legislatures and churches and, and, and you know, faith communities. It is not the responsibility of corporations. But again, millennials, Gen Z, these folks are rising up. They've been indoctrinated. They've been catechized, like we talked about yesterday. And so wondering about the market as the rival for the church, that's the real rival. And so I just want to close. This is going to be a little shorter reflection today. I want to plant the seed and maybe we'll, we'll think more about it. Jesus warned about serving two masters. You cannot serve two masters. Either you will love the one and hate the other or love the other and hate this one. You cannot serve both God and money. That money is a master. It, 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 it demands things of you. So God says, love your neighbor. He commands, love your neighbor and love God and love your neighbor. And so God commands. God is the author. And so God commands. We don't apologize for that, right? They have the 10 commandments. Here's how I created you to live and to flourish. So, so worship me. Do not take my name in vain. Honor the Sabbath. Do not make graven images. Um, honor your father and mother, do not steal, do not kill, do not commit adultery, etc. So this is how the human family lives. And so there are demands or commands that, that God makes. We acknowledge that. So does money. And what we're seeing is how this happens. The market is now big business, corporate America through its ideologies and it's being wedded to a particular agenda. <clears throat> is now bringing pressure upon human behavior and human consciences. And if you have a conscientiously held position that differs, well, that's fine. You just can't work here. Um, I've read of banks that are no longer going to do business with certain kinds of organizations because they are deemed uh, to be on the wrong side of a, a particular view. <clears throat> so the bank doesn't want to get mobbed by the social media. So we're going to stop doing business uh, with you. 
which reminds me not only of Jesus warning about uh, money and um, God, the, the, the two masters, <clears throat> but in the book of Revelation, and this is going to sound strange. Uh, hopefully you're still listening. And hopefully you're not going to think your pastor's gone wacko uh, after what I say in the next few minutes. <clears throat> uh, the book of Revelation is, is a, a notoriously difficult book to understand because of its graphic imagery and there's all there's beasts and there's dragons and there's bowls and there's fire and there's brimstone and all kinds of things are swirling about kind of fantastic vision that that, that John has and there is in the 13th chapter a beast that arises out of the sea and i think it's commonly understood but maybe not to totally but but it's my my understanding is that it's a veiled reference for some kind of empire sometimes of government or some kind of ruler perhaps a, a tyrannical ruler right and in view was probably rome okay john is in exile on the isle of patmos for his faith suffering on the lord's day um suffering uh, because of his testimony, Jesus is Lord, not Caesar is Lord, okay? So it's likely that there's kind of some understanding. It, it's figurative language to talk about the the um, power, <laughs> the despotic power. And so the beast rises up. <clears throat> and at one point, it says, um, uh, let me get to the verse. <clears throat> Uh, verse 16, so chapter 13 of Revelation, verse 16, he also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. And then this calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast. For it is man's number. His number is 666, okay? We could spend the next however many months trying to unpack some of that stuff right there. <clears throat> but what I want to note is that the beast brings economic pressure, brings market pressure, it's not that if you don't have the mark of the beast, we're going to cut your head off and you're going to be you're going to be killed. If you do not have the mark of the beast, whatever that represents, okay, I'm not I'm not going to dive into that. What strikes me is if you do not have this special thing that the beast again, perhaps representing the government or the empire in some way, if you do not have this thing that says you belong to the beast. Okay, Mark probably is like the, said I wasn't going to talk about it, but it's like the maybe the the, the seal. You like you put the seal, you know, uh, certain documents have a seal of the Commonwealth of Virginia or something like that, or, you know, a signet ring, you know, signifies the, your, your monogram, your initials. So the mark of the beast, there's some identifying mark that you belong to this community. And if you do not have that mark, you can't buy or sell. It's economic pressure. It's market exclusion. You are excluded from the marketplace. You're going to have to find your food somehow. You're going to have to find your living somehow. You're going to have to find your way somehow. It's the market. It's economics that 
is the way the beast exercises pressure. And so Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. Not you can't serve God and the devil. He says, you can't serve God and money or God and the market. So I've been thinking about that as I'm watching corporate America, big business go woke and to bring its diversity, equity, inclusion agenda. And if if you don't buy in, then you are out. And if you don't, uh, you know, kneel before this particular ideology and affirm these things, then you just can't do business here. You know, you 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 you're gonna find someplace else to to do to do your to do your business. That is something I think we should pay attention to. That is some well, let's put it this way. That's something I'm paying attention to. Okay. Let me go and close here. I'll give you something fun to think about <laughs> on a Thursday morning. <laughs> um. But I wonder, I'm thinking about these things and I'm observing and uh, we need to be prepared to suffer for our faith, even if the suffering is not a physical suffering, but it might include an economic suffering. Let's pray. Father, be pleased to protect us and your people everywhere. Guard us from... Uh, the lies of the world, guard us from the dangers of of money. Uh, Jesus warned us, John warns us, uh, and we're, we're, we're simple people, Lord. We don't understand these things fully, and so we pray your, your grace and mercy. As we watch our culture shift and go through these changes, Lord, we ask for great discernment, As John bids us, uh, this calls for wisdom, and so grant to us wisdom, grant to us insight, grant to us discernment with regard to these dynamics at play. Lord, please take anything I've said here or any of the days this week that is not true, helpful, right, good, and blow them away with the wind of your Spirit. But may that which is reflective of your truth and your kingdom and of your glory Would you cause these truths to abide in us that we might more fully embrace Jesus and follow him even uh, in these challenging days. And so watch over us as we pray in his name now, even as he taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the sovereign God who rules the world and guides the affairs of nations, may he also guide your steps this day and forevermore. Amen.